are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Colorful, melodic, rhythmic. Andrea Rinkemeyer is an associate professor of music composition and theory at Linfield College. She has recently been commissioned by the Albany Symphony, H. Robert Reynolds and the Detroit Chamber Winds and Strings, and Rodney Dorsey and the University of Oregon Wind Ensemble. Her music has been featured at the American Composers Orchestra Underwood Readings, and originally from Oregon, she has also lived in Michigan and Bangkok. So the first thing I just wanted to get out of the way, um, because I can't remember, have we actually ever met in person? We have. Because we've been, we have. We have met in person. Yeah, we were both at, uh, in Missouri, at the University of Missouri, Central Missouri Festival. Yeah. And I had I had a piece played, and I don't remember what yours was, but I had a percussion and electronics piece played there. Yeah, yeah. So did so did I. Mine mine was percussion and electronics too. So you must have been on that early morning concert. Mine was a late night. It was the, the who was the ensemble? Um, Firewire ensemble. There was more, like the evening concert. Okay, but but were you there for? Because I, I, that, that conference for me was, was crazy because I drove in, like I drove all day from, from Houston the day before. And then I got to the conference that night. I went to my concert in the morning. I stayed for lunch and then I immediately left. (laughs) I think we met there. I think I remember having a conversation with you there. Okay. But I think that's it. It's crazy. Okay, because it's crazy to me because we were at Bowling Green at the same time. Right. But I don't you know, think that you because we we talked at the conference. Maybe we had lunch together or something and we were trying to figure out if we had ever met at that point. <laughs> <laughs> every every time we see each other, we're just going to have this conversation over and over again. <laughs> have we met in real <laughs> Really? Have we met? I don't know. No. Okay. Well, all right. That makes me feel a little bit better because I I really could not I mean I was a little sleep deprived um for that conference anyway having I I I don't remember when I got in but it was like wake up go to the concert have lunch I think we yeah there was like some Mexican restaurant we went to for lunch maybe sure. I don't know I mean in uh oh, where was that uh Central Missouri is in what city Either way it doesn't really matter because there's nothing else in that city yeah, I you know, remember drinking so. a lot of beer at that conference. Yeah, I because bet. I met <laughs> I met um, uh, who did I? I mean, let's see, who did I? I don't remember now who I went. And Ben Furman, I met there. Oh yeah, that's yeah. where I met Ben the yeah. first time too. So we would go to the concerts and then go to the bar. I remember there were like three or four that's of like... us who. <laughs> That was kind of the because that was like the only thing you could do in that. <laughs> That's in that exactly town. right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay, so yeah. and then I think at the time we were trying to figure out if we knew each other, and um, and we decided that we didn't. And because at the time, you know, I was an adjunct at Bowling Green, so I would right. drive down from Ann Arbor and um, teach my classes, and then go back. So I did that for five years. So I didn't mm-hmm. know a lot of um, people who are not my students in one of the composition classes sure. or the electronic. Sure. Class. And I, right. And at that time I was a, I was a music education major. So I wasn't in any of the composing or electronic music or any of those classes. So it would have been, 
it actually would have been weird if if we did know each right, other. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, anyway, okay, great. So it's it's interesting that you said at that particular festival you had um, you had a piece for percussion and electronics because you know in in all of the pieces that you that you sent me um, percussion factors in really heavily. So I actually wanted to ask you about that. Like, what is your what is your relationship to percussion or I mean, was that your instrument? No, I'm a piano and violin are my instruments. Okay. I just am absolutely in love with percussion. So, okay. Yeah. So that's that's why it's just a thing that I, I love. You know, I mean, whenever I start to write for the piano or the violin, um, it's like, oh, Brahms. Oh, no, that's, that's, you know, I know that repertoire so well. And so I always just kind of get hung up writing for those instruments, which is too bad because they're, you know, ones that I love so much. <laughs> but right. um, percussion is, I think, really special because it's so diverse. Right. And I mean, as a percussionist myself, I think I have, I'm starting to have the opposite relationship with it is because, or like the relationship you have with piano or violin, where I'm just, I've pretty much decided I'll never write another marimba piece again. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I do. Be- yeah. because, because like that was all I wrote when uh, when I was just starting off. And it's a little bit hard because I um, it, I mean, it's hard. But at the same time, it's great that I keep getting asked to write these pieces for like percussion and this percussion and that. And uh, like currently I'm I'm have three pieces that are in various stages and all of them involve percussion in some way. Mm-hmm. Which is great, but at the same time, I keep like limiting myself. That's good. You know, that's good. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm this this piece. I'm only going to use handheld instruments, and that's it. You know, so like I actually my percussion setups are getting smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and smaller. So so I guess that might. It, do, do you think you have the same thing with piano and violin in that way? Like you you kind of stop writing for it, or you just start trying to figure out. Oh, okay, well. I've never used the violin in this way. Right. So that's all I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. And it it was very funny because I ran into recently my undergraduate violin professor. And she said, so have you ever written that violin piece? And I said, nope, I haven't. Nope. Nope. I haven't done it. Nope. Not not even at all. (laughs) So I should do it. I keep meaning to do it. And I I haven't. But... um, yeah, no, I think you're right. And my, my early percussion instruments, you know, my percussion quartet has like ridiculous, the schlep on that thing is ridiculous, you know, and it was at the time I was just trying to learn how to even use these instruments at all. And, um, and so because now I know more about what all of that means to get all of those instruments on stage, how you won't get performances if you have 97,000 percussion instruments on stage, um, so I'm learning how to whittle it down too, and yeah. So like the 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 wild silk piece that I sent you, um, uh, Isabel Wong. When we were talking about it originally, she said, you know, we're going to be touring with this piece, and I want the instruments to be able to be to be found like it, they could be at any high school. Sure. Yeah. And so. She wanted she wanted that flexibility to not have to take a bass drum with her. 
or to have to take a marimba. And so I did the 4.3 marimba and I did, you know, a glockenspiel. And so I, that was a really fun limitation because I knew she didn't want to carry all those instruments with her. And with that piece, um, I actually, I mean, I, I kind of looked at that piece and reviewed it for my, um, that music with friends. Oh, blog. right. Yeah. Yeah, and um, at, I looked back at um, at what I wrote about it at that point, and the one the one of the main things that really stuck out to me on on that piece, Wild Silk, is that I really loved the percussion pacing. Oh, yeah, thank you. You know, you know what I mean. It was it was very it was very controlled use of the instruments, and I'm wondering is was that a factor in the piano and the saxophone writing as well? I mean, is that piece kind of controlled in that same way yeah and it's actually the thing that's controlling it is the life cycle of that moth so Mm -hmm. um you know i was trying to think of like how how can these instruments be the caterpillar how can these instruments be the the pupa how can these instruments be the adult moth and so they really each had their own section and um and and so they slowly they slowly change from the kind of hand kind of sounds you know you have the the, the skins of the sure. um, the bass drum and the bongos and things and actually the opening is all bass drum mostly played with hands and one of those things you might not know about is that 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 particular moth um, goes through five different versions it grows so fast it breaks through its own skin five times so i'm using skin instruments right because that's what's actually happening as breaking through its own skin and so and then so that really limits you if the only thing that you're using is a bass drum how can you get lots of different sounds when it's only this one skin and then i went to the glockenspiel section and because that was kind of supposed to be the wispy, sulkin, um, you know, the the pupa, and mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. the the saxophone and the piano are they they change the way that they're playing too because they become more like there's lots more trills and things like that um, to to kind of go with like because apparently these things move so much within the pupa you can hear them because they're just like really wriggly in there. Um, so I tried to bring that wow, kind that's of, yeah, incredible. all of these things are there that, you know, you don't want to really put in a program note because then you sound kind of creepy, but, um, but I did lots <laughs> of, I did lots of research on the, on this moth and, um, and then the adult moth actually is, doesn't have a mouth and its sole purpose yeah, at that stage I read that. is to just propagate. And so, you know, that's, that's a different thing too. And it's like detracting mates through pheromones and things like that. So the instrumentation again shifts because this is really three different stages of this moth's life.
I mean, for the for the formal proportions of the piece, do they do they in some scientific way reflect the the stages of the moth or is that more just a well scientific are you gonna um, say that you know there's 1.2 beats or whatever for each thing no i didn't (laughs) i didn't go into that because i wanted it to be musical as well but there like i said it goes through its own skin five times so that opening section is kind of five big phrases Mm -hmm. and then so it's it's kind of i let myself be musical with this idea so I didn't, I didn't want to, um, you know, say I, I only had 27 beats to do this or something. You know, I, I, I wanted to be musical. At the same right. Time. Right. But the thing that really stuck out to me with this piece um, is something that I guess because it, it has this uh, natural inspiration, um, the piece kind of has this otherness to it i kind of attribute this a lot with xenakis or cage where their music doesn't feel the same way and it doesn't move the same way as a lot of other music feels and moves you know and i think i think a a big part of that is because they were focused on very non-musical ideas oh interesting kind of yeah. And translating that into music. And that's that's something that you're doing with this piece is that you're focused on a very non-musical idea, this idea of the moth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is that is that fair to say that that this is a is it is it for you? Is it an inspiration or is it a translation? I think both. And by the way, thank you. That was really cool what you just said. Um, I think it's both. Um I knew that I had this idea, um, and I can say this because I don't think that this student would be listening, but I I had a student in the composition class (laughs) who wrote a piece about um, nocturnal animals, and I thought I could do it better. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. about the piece that you would ever say it's like that student's music, and they wouldn't know who it is, and anyway. Um, so And then I always have had this fear of moths and so I think one of the things that music can be is um therapy (laughs) so um and I also had Dr. Shrewd was saying she kept telling me to make it harder for this particular group so um so I did and I kept I kept pushing myself to do something I had never done before and I was and I was really proud of the, the results of it. So it was just kind of a couple of different things coming together at the same time. I um, really wanted to explore texture and sound and I wanted these instruments to to be to be one thing rather than three individuals. Uh-huh. Right. If that okay. makes sense. And so I and I a lot of my music is inspired by nature. And so it's always a it's always the challenge for me is how do I translate? I guess that's your word, right? How do you translate uh, an image or an experience into music? Now, does anybody else hear my moth? I don't know. I don't know. Do you hear moth? <laughs> I mean, and and here's, I mean, this is a question that I deal with in my own music all the time is that, I mean, okay, so it's it's inspired by or it's translating the ideas from a moth. And do you hear it? And my question is, 
do I care that they hear it? Right. Exactly. Because I don't think I care. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think I've kind of come to the same conclusion that I don't, I don't really care if they, if they really hear it. And it's, that's not what it's about actually that they, it's them hearing it. It's about what makes me write music that they enjoy as music. Exactly. So I think that that's, that's how I approach it as well. Um, I don't think it's important, you know, I, people ask me about, I had my dissertation, I had a bunch of pictures of barns and rust and all these things. And again, it was just, it was just inspiration. It was just something for me, it was just a way to challenge myself, something for, to tell myself a story so I could write the music. So yeah, I, I don't think that I care if you hear my moth, mm -hmm. but that's just what, how I compose the piece. Right. So with with all of the pieces you sent me, in each piece, there's something very distinct that is driving your creativity. And right. I was I actually uh, in your description of Wild Silk, you know, you said that uh, the moth uh, you related to moth to an artist. And you said perhaps it is a metaphor for the artist who must completely renew and reinvent themselves over and over again. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. The Wild Silk was in 2009. The Thaw was just this past year. And the dances, right. when were the dances from? 2010. One of the dances is built based on a piece from 2005 and 1999. So I've used that same music three times, and it sounds really different each time. The first time was a song for soprano and viola, and then it was for an orchestra. And then I feel like the band is the real version okay. of it. Yeah. So, but I think that's true that I'm always finding the next thing to explore. If someone were to look at your, um, your output, you know, from mm -hmm. just chronologically from piece to piece to piece, would they find that it's, it's easy or it's difficult to find a thread from piece to piece? Are you kind of, uh, focusing on a uh, fo focusing on a single idea or maybe a group of ideas and approaching them from different from different uh, angles or different avenues or are you kind of uh, reinventing or renewing yourself with each piece I think I do too much reinventing each time <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not a very fast composer um, some people are, are much you know, very fast. They can write lots and lots of pieces a year. And I'm usually in the one to two or three pieces a year. Three is a lot for me to write in one year. Mm -hmm. um, so I do spend a lot of time. I, I love, I think the thread, the threads, threads would be melody. I'm very melodic composer. And this probably comes back to being a violinist, being a pianist, is that there's great melodies. Um, and then I would say that there's usually I usually end up in some kind of groovish area, and whether I stay there a long time or not is different. Or, and then I would say also playing with timbre. So those are the things that I kind of do a lot, um, but I approach it really differently each time. So, like um, the thaw, the opening music with the whispering and all of that. I mean, that comes from electronic music. I was doing sure. that stuff, you know, in 1999. <laughs> so it's been, you know, there are certain things that kind of come back, but I'd never done it in an acoustic piece before. Sure. So 
you know, so that that music taught me so much. Um, even if I'm not writing a lot of electronic music now, that music is definitely with me still. And right. all of the lessons that I learned. And I think pacing comes from that. Um, timbre comes from that. Thinking of long gestures, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that I think those are the things that kind of come back over and over in my music. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you hear? It's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me you, anyway. Well, in the, in the thaw, you know, you mentioned the the, the chorus uh, that with the beginning. I yes, I definitely heard that as like an electronic, um, an electronic inspiration, and I wanted to. Uh, I mean, does the court the way the chorus functions in that piece is it because I heard the chorus functioning as like a developmental kind of uh, in a developmental kind of role. Whereas the soloists were, you know, the 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 ones that were that were uh, propelling the piece forward, is that mm-hmm. is that yeah an accurate? I, I would assessment? say that's that seems pretty pretty accurate. Um, uh oh, my neighbors are knocking. I apologize. <laughs> um, so here's a little um, admission that I've always had a hard time with choral music because most poems are very personal. You know, right. it's like, it's very strange for me to have 90 people proclaiming, I love you, <laughs> for instance, you know, <laughs> so for me, that's a really, that's a, it's a hard thing to get over. And so it's always been something I've kind of avoided, um, but I had great fun with it. And I actually have three choir pieces to write now. So because of this piece, um, because I was telling artists' story. And um, we wrote, we were, we worked on the text a lot together, like more of the ideas that were in the text. Um, and she knew it was going to be sung by a lot of people. So I don't know, it would be interesting to talk to her about it, if that, how that played into her, her process. Mm-hmm. But she did give me some words that I could use for a group, you know, like the roaring, right. and rain and all of these things, these ideas. But I think I, I kept coming back to, I needed, I needed I, well, I wanted to write some vocal music that was a little bit trickier than I thought a, a choir could maybe do. Mm-hmm. Um, a professional choir, yeah, for sure, could do it. Um, so I wanted to give just a little more freedom of line. So I think that's why how the, the choir, choir is, they're, they're commenting and encouraging each other along, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Okay. Plus yeah. then they're, they're really like five band and choir pieces. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot out there to study for that combination. Wow. That's, um, I mean, the, really only, only five. Out no, there? I'm exaggerating, but it's, there's not a lot. Right. So, <laughs> so it's a, it's an untapped market, but how do you, how do you, there's a reason. Composes. And, are you, are you looking for a yeah. new piece to write? Well, we've got the piece for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just, but it's a challenging combo, and that's why because the the balance issues are yeah, are yeah. really so. Tough. With the with the wind ensemble, I mean, is it a really pared down wind ensemble? Yeah, it's basically orchestral winds, but it also gives it a little bit more um, more likelihood that it has two ensembles actually that could play it because you could do orchestra without strings or wind ensemble.
Thaw and the two dances are, you know, for wind ensemble concert band. What I do you have? Do you have? I, I haven't looked at your work list, but do you have other works for that for those groups as well? No, those are um, the two I have. Oh, those are the, the okay. Those, those are, are the two, two. wind band wind bands. I guess they're calling them these days. So, yeah, those are the two pieces. But um, the the thaw came about because. Rodney Dorsey, who commissioned it, he had conducted my piece at the University of Michigan. And then, mm, then when he okay. got the job at University of Oregon, which is my alma mater, he said, ha, I'm going to ask you to write me a piece. So that's how that <laughs> came about. <laughs>
The last big question I kind of wanted to ask you, how did you come to music as something that you wanted to pursue for your life? Um, I, I dumb lucked it in. Um, and that sounds, that sounds dismissive, but it's, it's absolutely the truth. Um, I took piano lessons from a very young age and, and violin, and I loved it. It was absolutely the thing that I was most into, you know. And in high school, I played the violin in the orchestra and um, was taking lessons in both and uh, decided there was no way I could be a professional musician. Somehow I got that in my head. And so I went to the University of Oregon, and I was going to be a biology major with a pre-med and a music minor. And, um, so I went there and I was taking almost exactly half of each and I had 8am chemistry that was just brutal. Ugh. And I absolutely loved my, my music classes. <laughs> and, um, I ran into my high school orchestra director during the state solo competition. And he said, why are you, why are you not a music major? But for some reason it was like he was giving me permission <laughs> to do it I mean, it just sounds so stupid um and then if you look at my transcript please don't but if you look at my transcript after <laughs> that it um bounces around when one semester is a violin major and then it's a piano major and then music ed I do music ed for a year and then just on a whim um Dr. Keir at the University of Oregon uh runs a gamelan ensemble someone gifted it to the university and nobody there that's not anybody's specialty so there, there wasn't a musicologist who um, specialized in gamelan so what he decided to do was to say okay um it'd be a, too bad if these were wasted so let's use this as a composer's teaching tool mm. so the composers play in the ensemble and they have all these sounds and you can write pieces for it, and you had to figure out your own way of notating it because there's obviously it's we wanted Western musicians to be able to read these things. And so even though I was a music ed major, I just sat down and I wrote a piece for the gamelan. And um, after the first was that part, was that your first piece? I'd written pieces as a kid, and every now and again because my my training was that everybody is a composer. So I had been composing since I started. So okay. I just thought that this was something that musicians did. 
So it was actually shocking when I met people who didn't compose or thought that this was a weird thing to do. Or God, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a great world? That it would be a it, wonderful world. Everybody would music? be creative. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. And not afraid of it. Anyway, so because that was my background, I just wrote the piece. And he took me aside and he said, "So, why aren't you a composition major?" And I said. Yeah, why am I not a composition major? <laughs> that makes the most sense. And so from that point on, it was just composition. So I, you know, have a bachelor of music in composition, and then a master's of music, and a doctor, you know, music, in, all in composition. So even though I was like trying to find my way in those early semesters, you know, biology major and then violin and piano, you know, I just had to find my way. To music and to being a composer and I think all of those other weird things that I've been interested in you know photography and hiking and all that it informs my music so even though I had all these things that don't seem related in any way it all comes back to how can I understand these things through sound